That's right, you are. It's 7.06 here. We are live on the Employment Hour. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, 980 CFPL in London. The phone lines are open. Give us a call here if you have any questions about your workplace rights. Uh, You've been terminated. You think that termination is coming uh, down the road, unfortunately. You have questions about that. You're being harassed. Uh, A whole sea of things we can discuss here. So get your calls here early, and you can have all of your questions answered by John Pincus, employment lawyer extraordinaire. Uh, at Semfiru Tamarkin LLP. Uh, the phone lines, 416-870-6400 or long distance, one 225 8255 A lot to talk about this evening. Uh, we'll get to the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. We'll talk a bit about some uh, you know, workplace harassment rights. Uh, emails, you can always send an email to help at employmenthour.com. Or you can give uh, the firm a call at one 821 5900 But, uh, John, before we get to some phone calls, uh, let's start off with the week that was. How are things looking for you? Yeah, I got some interesting situations uh, to talk about today. And hopefully people are listening and maybe thinking about someone they know that may have a similar situation or some other employment problem. And they can give us a call and we can talk about it right now. Sure. Uh, So the first uh, situation that I wanted to talk about is one that actually takes us back about six months ago. So we go back in time about six months. I spoke to someone, a woman who works for a small tech company uh, as a salesperson. And she works for the company about five days per week and works for another company one day per week. And what the company recently asked her to do is to sign a document called an independent contractor agreement. So she sees this document, notices there's quite a bit of legal jargon in it, and asks me to take a look at it. That's always unsettling. The longer the document, yeah, the the lower your heart sinks. Yeah, and the longer the document, usually the more likely that the devil's in the details. Uh, And uh, indeed it was here, as as we'll we'll talk about in a moment. So she told me that, now, she actually didn't see any problem in signing it per se. You know, as far as she was concerned, okay, it's called an independent contractor agreement. She's a contractor. Now, so she remitted HST. She had incorporated her own company, was paid through her company. She hired a few of her own helpers to sub in for her on on the weekend, the the one day a week that she wasn't at the, uh, that she was at the other company, and basically set her own hours. So I had a long discussion with her about this, and I did confirm that, yes, in fact, she was a contractor, but it wasn't quite that simple. So she was something what we call a dependent contractor, uh, because as it turns out, 90% of her income came from this one company, and she had been working there consistently for the last 10 years. Uh. Okay, and why was this a problem? Well, the problem was because the contract she was asked to sign contained a number of provisions that would have significantly damaged her legal rights. So there were a few clauses that no contractor, first of all, should ever agree to, such as a a non-competition clause, a non-solicitation clause. Of course, this is nonsense if you're an independent contractor. You shouldn't be agreeing to these things. Uh, But worst of all, there was a termination clause that limited her to one week's notice if they wanted to terminate her employment for any reason. That's it. One week's notice for 10 years. And I told her, if they're asking you to sign this, it's because they probably want to terminate your employment and they probably want to do it in the near future. Uh, This is an insurance plan for them. Uh, not for you. And so after I explained to her what her full legal entitlements were as a result of her being a dependent contractor, she agreed and and politely told them that she was declining to sign. And, And the reality is there was nothing they could do about it. Well, lo and behold, six months later, that brings us to just last week. Okay, and the company announces to all of the contractors that, in fact, they're shutting down the business and everyone who has signed the agreement is given, you guessed it, oh, no. one, one week's week. pay, but not this person, not my client. 
she was the one person who did not sign the contract. So for her, she was offered three months pay. Now, as a matter of fact, she happens to be owed nine months pay. uh, And for her, that's about $45,000. But again, if she had signed that agreement, that would have been just over a thousand dollars. That's what she would have gotten. She made the right move. She absolutely she made. The, the, she asked questions, which is what you should always do. You should always ask a lawyer. I mean, look, sometimes you get something from from your employer, and it makes sense to sign it, but a lot of the times it doesn't. And your employer will often tell you, get legal advice if you think that you need it. And and there's a reason that they say that. It's because they, they kind of have to. Uh, they have to give you the opportunity to get independent legal advice, and you should take that opportunity. Uh, so, you know, a few takeaways for employees here. A dependent contractor is a real thing. There is a category that the law has recognized uh, between being an independent contractor and being a full-fledged employee. So just because you're a contractor does not mean that you have no rights. It does not mean that you're not entitled to termination pay. Be very careful about what you sign. The other thing is don't assume that because your employer has treated you as a contractor and is paying you HST, uh, that this is correct, that, that that means that you are actually a contractor at law because a lot of employers will impose contractor relationships on people uh, when that's actually not the legal reality and they're an employee and they should have all the rights as, that an employee has. So be careful about that too. Above all, always talk to a lawyer before you sign anything. And you can do that right now. You can call in and talk to John Pincus, employment lawyer, here on the Employment Hour, 416-870-6400. Uh, we are taking your calls here live, and they are priority on this show. Uh, and a question about um, you know switching just to a general employment contract if you are an employee. Uh, does this happen where you're maybe you've been at the company for six or seven years, and then they want you to sign a new employment contract, and in it, they may change the you know terms of uh, of termination where your severance is limited, and who knows, perhaps down the road after you sign that contract, they may end up uh, kicking you to the street, and then and then you're left with nothing versus you may have had more uh, to to access had you not signed that. That's very very common. We see that a lot of the time, and and it's in fact usually worse than that. It's usually really? more than just a termination clause, but they they may have a non solicitation clause, they may have a non competition clause, so they may have something in there that says, "Hey, we can pay you one week per year of service." Oh, and by the way, you can't work in this industry for the next year. Wow! So it, it can be a really really devastating uh, contract to your rights, and so so one of the things that that people really have to think about before they're signing this contract is, well, why is this employer giving this to me? You know, why are they offering me $100 to sign this contract? Uh, and and you're right to uh, raise questions. And the first thing you should do is speak to not just a lawyer, but an employment lawyer. Uh, help at employmenthour.com is the email, one 821 5900 And of course, uh, weekends, CBC, or CBC, maybe maybe in the future, CTV and Global TV, Employment Hour and 30 uh, with Lior Sanfiru to uh, find out your rights in the workplace. And we're taking your calls live here on the show, 416-870-6400. If you have any questions here about your workplace rights, uh, we're going to get to a uh, main topic in a second. But uh, John, you have a, another week that was here to share with us. I do. So the second situation was I was speaking to a gentleman who was working for a medical equipment company for about 10 years. He was told that he was being terminated for cause on the basis of performance. And they told him that if he signed a release, even though they owed him nothing, they would pay him one month's pay. So immediately after this, this gentleman contacts me, it starts looking a little fishy. 
Uh, as a starting point, employees, any employees who's listening should know that terminating for cause on the basis of performance is almost never sustainable for an employer. Now, it's not, it's not never sustainable, but almost never. It is very, very hard to do. Uh, generally speaking, a termination for performance is by very nature a without cause dismissal. Now, this particular individual told me that he was having difficulties at work because he had just been put in a new role for the last six months, very different than the role that he'd been doing for the last nine, nine and a half years, mm. and without any training whatsoever. They basically, they eliminated his old role, but they said, you know what, we're going to put you in this new role, and they threw him in the deep end and said, sink or swim. And there's emails of him begging for training, explaining this is not the role that he was hired to do. He doesn't have any background in this. A bit of panic, essentially. Basically panicking, yeah, the poor guy. And But what do they do? They issue him one written warning. They say, you've got 30 days to improve. And then 30 days later, they say, hey, you didn't improve, so- See you uh, later. See you later. Wow. And it's just cause you're not performing the duties of your job. Now, of course, this is not just cause. This is nonsense. Uh, and in, in fact, this gentleman was quite a high earner. Uh, he was in a fairly specialized technical role, and he was uh, in his 60s. So he could be owed as much as 12 or even 14 months pay. And for him, you know, that's in the six figures. So he, good, very good decision on his part to, uh, to call us. And, you know, a few takeaways here. First of all, always put things in writing. Uh, you know, always be aware that performance issues are generally not caused, particularly not without progressive discipline. And always, always speak to a lawyer when you're given a termination letter, and especially if you're asked to sign a release. Uh, help at employmenthour.com is the email if you have any questions yourself or want to find out more about your situation. Uh, but we are doing this show live. We're taking your calls. They are priority numero uno. Uh, 416-870-6400. And let's kick things off our first call of the evening. Kevin, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. What's your question here for John? Uh, just, uh, basically, let's just say you've been working for a few years. Uh, let's just say a decade under the pretense of being um, an independent contractor, but Obviously, after hearing the show, you know that that rarely ever happens. So uh, let's just say that you go after now being an independent contractor for all those years and not realizing it and doing your own taxes. Let's just say you have uh, issues with CRA. And um, now, basically, once you do get severance, um, would you have to be now dealing with a, a law, um, a tax lawyer as well? Or what would be the, let's just say they have uh, like garnishes on your accounts and stuff like that. Um, like what would happen to your severance once you get paid out? And I can take my answer off there. All right. Thanks for the call, Kevin. Yeah, so uh, th- it's an interesting question, and basically, uh, what what happens in these scenarios where you've got tax issues and employment issues? The first thing that everyone should know is that there is a different analysis that okay. applies to someone's tax status uh, as opposed to an employment status. So th- this sounds counterintuitive, but you can be an employee for the purposes of the Employment Standards Act uh, and an independent contractor for the purposes of the Income Interesting. Uh, Tax Act and vice versa. <laughs> it, it It is a very similar test. In fact, it, it is almost the, the, the same test. But just because the CRA comes to one conclusion, does that does not preclude the court from coming to a different uh, conclusion. The law has held that it, that it is actually a different test. So, you know, do you need a different lawyer for your tax issues and your employment issues? I would say yes. Um, I, I think that you, you typically don't want to hire the same person to do those two things because those are two quite specialized areas. You want to be thorough on both counts. You want to be thorough on both counts. So I, I'd say you don't, want your, you don't want your employment lawyer handling your tax issues and you certainly don't want your tax employer 
or tax lawyer handling your employment issues. So uh, you really do need to treat those two things separately. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number to call. Uh, uh, Pincus at the uh, Sinfira Tamarkin Law Firm, but four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Your calls priority on the show. We'll sneak another one in here before we take a quick leap away and get back to more calls. Susan in Toronto, uh, what's your question here for John? Yes, I'm calling for my friend. She's fifty four years old. She was supposed to be earning forty five thousand dollars, and she's been working for this company. Only three weeks, and this evening they said, well, you're not a fit, we're firing you. And they're giving her one week's severance and, of course, vacation pay. Is that fair? One question for you, Susan. Was this a position that your friend applied to? or did, was... Yes. She was actually on unemployment, and then she applied for it. And, yeah, I asked her those questions. It was customer service. Well, I think that there certainly could be a case to be made that there is going to be more severance owed than that. If she, if your friend hasn't signed an employment agreement, then they're going to be entitled to what's called this, you know, common law notice or pay in lieu of notice, which is going to be more than what's in the Employment Standards Act. But interestingly, the Employment Standards Act would actually say that your friend gets uh, nothing. So they are they are paying her more than the minimum. Um, is she owed more? Probably. Uh, she is owed more than that. Is it going to be a lot more than that? It, it, it's probably not going to be more than um, two months or so, uh, by by my estimation. Uh, could be a little bit less. Could be a little bit more. But it's it's going to be um, it's, it's going to depend on how long she's out of work, uh, for one thing, and. You know, it's it's going to be within a range. So I'd say it's probably if if she thinks she's going to be out of work for a long time, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it it may be worth negotiating. Uh, but your friend should know that you know, in terms of the delta, in terms of the amount that it's going to be, it's it's not going to be a whole lot higher uh, than that. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for the call there, Susan. Uh, and your friend can uh, reach out to the firm for more information, one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com. And that's still uh, two months uh, compared to, uh, what was it, like a week is still a fair size, a different uh, amount there. So yeah, for some people that can make on. a big difference. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to get to more calls here. You're lighting up the phone lines. Still have room for a couple more callers. Lisa, Peter, Tom, and Jerry. Hold on. We'll get to you when we come back. 416-870-6400. Long distance. Hey, if you're listening out there, 980 CFPL in London or surrounding regions, one 225 8255 The Employment Hour. With employment lawyer John Pincus here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, 980 CFPL in London, back in a moment. We are back live with the Employment Hour. Ryan Bonner here, in for John Scholes, and employment lawyer John Pincus is here as well. Employment Hour in 30, you can catch Lior Samfiru, partner at Samfiru Tamarkin. Uh, he is on Saturdays and Sundays, Global TV and CTV, dispensing employment uh, law, the, the legal knowledge, uh, discussing your workplace rights, employmenthourtv.ca for more information there. If you've been denied long-term disability, in your corner. You can watch that on Global TV Sundays at 8.30 a.m. Go to inyourcorner.ca for more information on that. There are so many ways you can discover your rights here, your legal rights uh, in Ontario. But, of course, we get to your phone calls first and foremost on this program. 416-870-6400 or one 225 8255 And, Lisa, what's your question here for John? Hi, John. How are you this evening? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I have a question for a friend of mine. Um, I have a colleague who used to work with me. Um, she was at the company for two years. What happened was uh, they had said to her near the end of August, about two weeks before uh, Labor Day, uh, that's of last year, that her job was no longer uh, 
been eliminated and that they were going to pay her up to September the 2nd. Well, they asked her to leave and uh, she did leave. And uh, what had happened was that that's all she got was two weeks pay and she was with the company for two years they, and she went on unemployment after that. Does she have any legal rights or? So if, if you don't mind me asking, but how old is your, your friend? My friend is over 40, maybe over 45. Okay, and, and what kind of position is this? She works as an inside salesperson. She made she made commission, but she never received anything. Right, and and so you're saying that they originally gave her notice till September second, but then they just said they, if I'm understanding, they basically sent her home and said, "Here's two weeks." Yeah, back. they said, you know, we, we know you're going to be upset about this, and we don't want you to, you know, be working for the next two weeks being upset. So they said, you know, it's best if you just leave now. Okay, and and sir, was this last just last year? It was last year, yeah, last okay. August. Okay, so I, I would say the first thing that we need to we would need to see is if she's made any income after that. If she if she didn't land and she didn't find a job, then no, she hasn't. Okay, and her unemployment runs out in May. Okay, so you, your friend absolutely should give us a call because um, she's going to be entitled to hear probably uh, somewhere in the range of approximately three to four months of her pay. That, that's usually what people in these circumstances receive. I'd, I'd have to find a little bit more information about her compensation and the nature of her role, but typically someone in an inside sales position, uh, that, kind, that age and that kind of length of service, uh, three, four months is, is typically what, what you're looking at in most cases. Uh, so that could be significant. Yeah, uh, okay. because that's not that's not just going to be your base salary. That's going to be her average commissions if she was earning that. Uh, if she had a bonus, uh, that may be taken into account. Her benefits. So absolutely, she should be giving us a call, and uh, she should do it before she runs out of time. Uh, and Lisa, the phone number for your friend, uh, as John said, she should give it a call one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Uh, she can also email help at employmenthour.com or, or online. The website is pretty simple, employmentlawyer.ca, as an easy way to find out more information. Uh, but, yeah, very important there. A 416-870-6400 or star 640 on sell to get in here with your calls, your questions for employment lawyer John Pincus. Peter in Toronto, you're up next. What's your question for John? Hello. How are you doing today? We're good. How are you? Yes. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So uh, a very good friend of mine just um, got let go two days ago. Uh, she's been there 20 years. Uh, she'll, be about, she'll be 40 years this year. Uh, so tomorrow she has a meeting with um, the union as well as the, her former employer. I did tell her based on what I, conversation I always hear from the radio not to sign any document regardless of what it is. So we're just calling. She's concerned about her benefits and all the contributions and everything. So I'd asked, I'd had her, asked her to call, but she said she's um, not in the right frame of mind. I should do it on her behalf. So that was why I was calling. Right. Where should go from here. Right. So the first thing that your 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 friend should do is to speak with her local union rep because as someone who's in a union, um, she's she basically has a designated advocate. So as being part of the collective bargaining agreement, you get the rights and entitlements under that collective bargaining, uh, bargaining agreement. But part of that deal is that instead of being able to go to a lawyer, if you're terminated, the, the proper procedure to go through is a grievance. And the only people who can really bring a grievance, generally speaking, are going to be the union. So uh, that's really got to be her first stop is to speak to uh, the union rep 
Uh, but I have to say that after 20 years, uh, in most cases, uh, it's going to be pretty difficult to establish uh, that, uh, I mean, if, if they've taken the position of cause, um, that she's not going to be entitled to some something. Uh, now, for, in the case of a union, a union can seek reinstatement. They have a whole lot of a uh, whole array of remedies that they can seek from the arbitrator. Um, if she was not unionized, then this is someone who could be entitled to two years of her pay. Now, again, that wow. that doesn't necessarily. Uh, I mean, that's that's not really going to apply here, most likely, because this person happens to be in a union. So again, you have a you have a different set of rights. Um, but anyone who's been working for twenty years and who's lost their job. Uh, should, if you're in a union, uh, be sp- reaching out to your union rep. And if you're not in a union, certainly you should be reaching out to an employment lawyer. So there's this impenetrable uh, shield, essentially, around unionized employees and an employment lawyer, unfortunately, cannot penetrate uh, because of that CBA. Uh, they, they they really have no recourse beyond their Even if they're, and I think uh, some of the questions, uh, you know, you and other employment lawyers receive is that, well, my union's not going to bat for me. They're not really helping me out here. Can I not? call you up and get you to help me out. I won't say it's impenetrable. I won't say never. Uh, there is such thing as a you know a duty of fair representation, okay. and, and and you know there there's always exceptions to the rule. But I'm going to say the vast vast majority of the time, um, if your union will not take on your grievance, uh, it's it's going to be very difficult for you to to go another route. There are exceptions. There's you know in some cases, in many cases, actually, a union member can bring. Uh, cases to a tribunal, for instance, the Human Rights Tribunal, mm-hmm. union, unionized members generally have access to, so you may be able to get a lawyer for that. But uh, in, in other cases, you're, you're generally stuck with, with whatever representation you get from the union, so hopefully your union is willing to go, go to bat for you. Now, if you're in a position where you're not unionized and, and you are looking at 20 years of service, you're out of a job, you're wondering how much are you owed, uh, severancepaycalculator.com is the website you should go to. Uh, enter in a couple of factors regarding your situation, and it will tell you the range of severance uh, that you could be owed. And then if you'd like to, you can submit your uh, information to uh, John Pincus or another lawyer at Sanfira Tamarkin, and they can uh, they can try to help you out there. And it's, if you want to contact them directly, one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com. But back to the phone lines we go. Your calls uh, take precedence here. One triple eight two two five eight two five five or four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Ray, what's your question for John? Hey, how how we doing, guys? Uh, quick question: I have an employee. I'm actually an employer. I have an employee who's been working in my my accounting department, but I'm finding their skill set is not as, as as high as it needs to be. So I'm looking at a at a uh, without cause termination. They've mm-hmm. been with me for two years, but mm-hmm. the catch is she's part time. She only works twenty four hours a week. Um, there is an employment contract in place. The employment contract just refers to playing, uh, you know, a termination can occur without cause, uh, and payment is under ESA standards. So the first thing that I'd want to, so I, I assume your question is, so what, what is the obligation in this, uh, in this scenario? Correct. Right. So, so the first thing that I would want to do is I would want to see that employment contract. Because depending what is in that employment contract, you may actually be able to terminate this person with only two weeks' pay. So this is this again goes back to why it's very important that people think about uh, as an employer what contract you want your employees to sign, and as an employee, what contract you're prepared to sign. So it sounds like you have a contract with this person, who and you have a fixed uh, termination clause. And if that clause complies with the Employment Standards Act, and and unfortunately that that is a big if, uh, because it, it's it's difficult to um, to sometimes 
well, I won't say it's difficult. I'll just say it's it's easy to make mistakes. Um, so we'd have to review that. Um, but if it complies with the Employment Standards Act and it was signed before uh, this person started, then you may be able to pay just the the minimum. Uh, if for some reason there's a there's a problem with that contract or you're not able to rely on it, you, you could be looking at owing this person somewhere in the in the range of approximately three months' pay. So what I'd recommend you do is uh, give us a call or send us an email, and, and Ryan can give you the email and and actually attach that employment contract because that's the very first thing that we've got to take a look at because uh, it could be a very very simple answer depending what's in that contract. All right, there. And Ray, the email that uh, John said I would give out, I guess I'll do it. Help at employmenthour.com. Uh, or you can give him a call, 1 855 821 5900. And uh, before we get to more phone calls here, John, 416 870 6400 here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and uh, 980 CFPL in London. Uh, part time employees. If you're listening out there, you're a part time employee and you're wondering, hey, do I get severance pay or is it just for the full-time uh, individuals? What's the scenario? What's the situation there? Absolutely. Part-time employees do get severance. The only difference is that you're making less, so your severance is going to be based on less of a compensation. If you've been consistently working part-time for the entirety of your employment, so you've you've been working 24 hours a week and you know, just like an example that uh, we were talking about, that person's severance pay is going to be based on 24 hours a week. Um, if on the other hand, you're, you know, you're working full time and you just had one week, for instance, where you're working less hours and typically it's going to be based on a full time hour. So it's really just about the quantity that you're going to be paid. The entitlement itself to severance is, is still there. Absolutely. And you have all the same rights. All right. Let's get to an email here before we get to more calls. And we'll also discuss kind of a in depth, uh, workplace harassment and some rights. Maybe people didn't realize that they had, uh, when they are experiencing harassment in the workplace and maybe some employer obligations as well. But of course, we always get to your calls first, 416-870-6400 or one 225 8255 But emails, help at employmenthour.com. Uh, Barry uh, writes in, John, and says, my colleagues and I just found out that the company we work for will be shutting down at the end of the month. Uh, the owner of the company told us that because there are only five employees, we don't get severance. Is that uh, is that correct? So here we quote with the big difference between uh, ESA, or the Employment Standards Act, uh-huh. and your full entitlements, your minimum entitlements versus your full entitlements. And the reality is when it comes to your minimum entitlements, uh, it does make a difference uh, in terms of how much severance you're owed and whether that can all be paid by way of working notice. But in terms of your full entitlements, it makes no difference. I mean, take it the caller that we were talking to earlier, for instance, uh, Susan. Yeah. She was only employed for three weeks. Uh, but even someone who's employed for three weeks could be entitled to, to two months or even more than that, potentially. So uh, it really doesn't matter. Um, it, it, it makes no difference if it's a small company, if it's a large company, if they have a payroll of over two and a half million dollars, if you've only been pl- paid or only been working there for a short period of time. Uh, you know, it's important to act quick because uh, in this case that you were just giving, uh, Ryan. Berries, the, yeah. Yeah, berries. I mean, uh, company's assets may dissipate and then it, it might be impossible to collect. Well, because the uh, the company's closing down. So, yeah, you have to move fast. Um, yeah. And so there is now maybe in your experiences, you can tell us. Is there a 50-50 split on employers who know that there's a difference between kind of all those minimums uh, that you just talked about versus, you know, a person's full rights to severance? 
um, versus employers who really they have no idea. So employers who who are hoping that employees won't say anything, they'll think, oh, I, I guess they're right. I'm not owed anything because I don't meet the minimum requirements versus employers who just really don't know any better. There's, I'd say, two kinds of employers in uh-huh. this situation. There's the one who who really just doesn't know yeah. um, and and just looked it up online and thinks that's that's the employment standards and that's what I have to give. And there's other employers who figure that their employees will just uh, walk across the street and pick a job off the job tree uh, because we know that that's <laughs> just where- sprouts every day, yeah. We, we know that's where where jobs are are, are uh, created on the job tree. So they figure, oh, you, so, you know, we'll give them a nice severance package and tomorrow they'll have a new job. Uh, so those are the kinds of employers. And I'd say that probably most of them fall into the second category as opposed to the first because most employers will, will get some kind of legal advice and- uh, they just decide that, hey, this person's going to find a job tomorrow, so why should I pay them three months? So that's why it's important as the employee to always ask questions. Because you don't know if your employer doesn't know, generally uh, has no idea, or if they do know what your full rights are, but they're withholding the, the knowledge, uh, you know, what those rights actually are. You have to ask, you have to take the situation by the reins and, and ask the important questions to protect yourself. I mean, as an employee, uh, it really doesn't re- matter the reason why your employer is is not complying with the with the full amount of the, uh, the full entitlements that you have. It, what's important is is it the full entitlements? Mm-hmm. So when I'm acting for an employee, I always approach these situations in good faith. And you know, as, as someone who acts for both employees and employers, I understand both sides of it. It's it's not an easy thing to to separate uh, an employment relationship, but it's it it's. I'm not really concerned with the motivation. What really matters is, is it the right amount? Is it the appropriate amount of severance that this person should get? 416-870-6400. Your calls, we will get to them as soon as you give us a ring and answer any questions you have about your uh, employment law, your workplace rights. And you can always contact John, help at employmenthour.com or 1-855-821-5900. We'll get some more emails in here as well, John. But let's, uh, let's talk about workplace harassment. Uh, we haven't really touched uh, too much on that during this uh, this episode here. Uh, first things first, let's start at the top. How does the law define workplace harassment? So there's a pretty precise definition under the law of workplace harassment, and, and what it's called is a course of vexatious comment or conduct that is known or ought reasonably to be known to be unwelcome. So, so what does that you mean? You lost me at vexatious. Yeah, well, vexatious. So, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's talk about what vexatious means. Break her means. down, yeah. Okay, what does vexatious mean? Well, it means that's, that you're, you're trying to annoy someone, you're trying to frustrate them, you're trying to give them a hard time. So it's basically, it's, it's giving someone a hard time when you should know that you're giving them a hard time, when you should know that this is not something that they're going to be welcoming. Um, and that it's going to cause them some kind of stress and worry. And, uh, you know, it it can be a lot of things. It can be uh, bullying. It can be shouting. It can be profanity. It can be uh, ostracizing someone. It can be making threatening comments. And there's there's a whole list there. And, And how common do you think it is, especially nowadays? At various degrees, I'd say it's extremely yeah. common. I, I think that there is a lot of cases where people experience harassment on, you know, kind of a on a micro level, and there's other people that experience it uh, quite severely and, and, and can't do anything. So some sometimes people decide to put up with it because they really like the job and they really like the other people they work with. And some people, it, it really makes their life uh, uh, miserable. And I guess in some cases, too, people think maybe uh, they're afraid of what's outside of that place of work. You know, they don't make any changes or, or try to improve the situation because they're unsure of what's out there. Yeah, and some people just they they feel financially dependent on their job, and they're they're not prepared to leave because they just can't. 
And honestly, it's, it's, it, in some cases, it's heartbreaking for these people because they're stuck in this terrible situation and their employer won't do anything about it. Uh, is it more common with men or women or is, is there really no difference I see it equally with men and women. I've seen women harassing women, men harassing men, men harassing women, and women harassing men. Um, What I will say is most common is it is usually a superior harassing a subordinate. Now, it can definitely be between two co-workers, but uh, the most often type of harassment, there's there's no gender um, uh, predominance, but certainly I see a lot of superior uh, superiors abusing their, their power. Talking about workplace harassment here, 416-870-6400 or star 640 on cell. Uh, if you have any questions about that or uh, severance, terminations for cause, performance review issues, uh, now's the time to give employment lawyer John Pincus a call here live. Uh, a couple minutes left here. Uh, now is your chance. Uh, outside of the show, though, help at employmenthour.com or 1-855-821-5900. But getting back to workplace harassment, John, uh, what should an employee do? So they're being harassed. What should they do if they're being harassed at work? Well, number one, make the complaint in writing. If nothing is done, you got to follow up in writing. And if there's an obvious solution, maybe there's another department where your role exists and you can be separated from this person, maybe suggest a solution. Talk to people who've witnessed the event. Email them about it so you get confirmation in writing that they saw it too. Uh, when you make the complaint, show the documentary evidence you have. Tell them about the witnesses they should speak to. So if, if they're not considering these documents and they're not considering these, these witnesses, it's going to go a long way towards preserving your rights later because it's going to show that the evidence was there, the harassment existed, and, and it's going to be very hard for them to just brush it off and say, you know what, it just wasn't substantiated, which is what happens a lot of the time. Well, then the question is, what should an employer do if they, if they receive a harassment complaint? Well, the first thing I think an employer should do is query whether it's really something that can be handled uh, internally, right? Often for simple situations, uh, it, it can be handled internally by either the manager or the HR representative. Uh, if there are multiple complainants, though, or multiple alleged perpetrators, you may want to consider hiring an external investigator. And this can be very expensive, but there are some situations that call for that. You might want to do it, though, just to clear everything up properly, right? Right. And, and the other thing is, if you're, going to, if you're going to do it yourself, which is what many employers will do, and, and sometimes that is the appropriate way to go about it, at least make sure you talk to all witnesses that are raised by the complainants. Get as many documents as you can. Of course, you've got to stop somewhere, but, but to the extent that you can, try not to leave any stone unturned because it, it will come back to bite you later. one 821 5900 or help at employmenthour.com. But back to the phone lines we go. 416-870-6400. Shelly in Mississauga. What's your question for John? Hi, um, John. I was uh, I was joined a company and I was bullied and harassed by my superiors. And I brought up the complaint to the their superiors and the manager up to the HR. And because these employees are are indispensable to the company, I was uh, um, uh, my complaint went to nowhere and it just stonewalled. I went through a very severe psychological distress because mm-hmm. I I went through a lot. I was already um, you know, um, so distressed because of it. I had fear, anxiety, and I couldn't even go to work one night before I wouldn't be able to sleep. Uh, I, uh, went, I uh, went to um, up to HR when nothing happened. I eventually filed a case against them in WSIB, and my um, very bad to say that WSIB literally shammed the case, and they said it. He, she, he said, and she said they did no investigation. Right. And now, because 
the WSIB is in the employees uh, employer's favor. Um, they refused. They they my psychologist had provided a complete assessment report. Com my doctors have completely said I should mm -hmm. be separated from the poisonous environment. I shouldn't go back into the same department and work with the same people. The company came back and they said they cannot accommodate my uh, the, the doctor's uh, recommendations. Okay. And they are term they terminated me on administrative. Um, termination. Wow. Okay, so they, they terminated your employment. Yeah. Yeah. And and how long ago was that? And that was that is just recently. Less than a month ago. Oh, okay. Okay. And and how long were you working at this place? I just joined there. I was still under training, but these two women were very insecure of their job, so they don't want anyone to come there. So how and long ago is is just joined? Uh, just joined me. It was in month of somewhere around last year in 2017, in the middle of the 2017. Okay. And within few months, I was so badly harassed. I was intimidated, bullied, uh, ostracized, isolated, um, poisonous environment. They went and talked to everyone, blowing things out of proportion. Yeah, and it's, it sounds like a really bad scene there, Shelley. Sorry to put you on hold there, but we're just uh, out of time. Uh, John, maybe the best course of action is for her to, to reach out and contact you. Yeah, Shelley, and I, and I feel bad we had to cut it off. I mean, that sounds like a, a really yeah. terrible situation. And and Shelley, I hope you're still listening. Please do give us a call. I, yeah. I really think this is a situation we can help you with, um, and, and at the very least try and negotiate some compensation. And you've got to do these things within two years. So uh, everyone that's listening, the, you know, you you do have to act before you run. That's out of the time. time limit. Two years. Two there. years from from the date of of your notice of termination or mm -hmm. when you discover the claim. Very important lesson there, Shelley. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine. Or email help at employmenthour.com. Employment lawyer John Pingus, thanks for coming in tonight. My and pleasure. We'll do it again on the weekend and next Monday and Wednesday as well. Employment Hour and 30 on the weekend as well. Catch that uh, online, employmenthourtv.ca and in your corner.ca if your long term disability claim is denied. Global News Radio 640 Toronto and 980 CFPL in London.